Welcome to the True Adventure Podcast, episode 70. Welcome to the True Adventure Podcast, where I, Karina Baldwin, your host and mental performance coach, teach you the skills to calm the fuck down. You're a high achiever, a CEO, or overall, you just do the most. I get it. We're cut from the same cloth. It's time to actually acknowledge your success, celebrate your wins, and train your mind like an elite athlete. I have a master's in sport and performance psychology and worked with collegiate athletes for two years, worked with the U.S. Army for three years, and now work with high achievers and CEOs to teach them to use their mind to work for them rather than against them. This podcast is where research meets reality to teach you the skills to uncover mental blocks, make success predictable, build mental endurance, and master your mountain mentality. Are you ready to go summit some shit? Let's get started. Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of the True Adventure Podcast. I'm your host, Karina Baldwin, and I am so happy that you were here with me this Friday. It is mid-November. This is so crazy. The year has gone by so fast. So I wanted to ask, how are you doing in your goals? We are less than 50 days away from the end of the year. So crazy. That's just absolutely unreal for me. I feel like I set out and had a bunch of goals. I've definitely hit a ton of them, but there is definitely one big goal that I didn't hit. I wanted to double my revenue and I've so far have fell short. Um, I'm obviously going to keep on going, see how close I can get, but also I may not hit it. And I think that that's okay because the shifts that I have had in my business have helped me become the person that is going to hit it one day, that is going to double that revenue goal and will continue on that track until I do. So next year, I'm going to have the same goal. It's going to be the same revenue number. It's going to be the same, you know, thoughts that I'm going to be bringing into. How am I going to hit this? What is working? What is not working? And I'm going to do 2024 even better. So that's my goal for next year is to still double really 2022's revenue and add a little bit more that I had of 2023. So I am slowly becoming the person that doubles the revenue. And that's what it's all about. The outcome's great. The double the revenue, amazing. I hit a goal if I do and when I do, not if, when I do, right? Let's change that language. But when I do hit that goal, I'm stepping into the person that does double her revenue, that does the effort, the planning, the evaluation, the careful consideration of all the things that need to be focused on and done and taken action and decided about in order to reach that revenue goal. So it's really when you're setting these goals about becoming that person that hits the goals, that follows through with her word, that sets a goal and makes it happen even if it takes longer than you thought. So I want you to keep that in mind as we're coming up on the end of this year and you're starting to set your 2024 goals. I know I am. I'm starting to set some of these amazing, fun, incredible goals. And if you fell short of any this year, what have you learned? How are you stepping into that person that one day will reach that goal, even if it's not in 2023? 
or in November or December, quarter four, whatever it is, whatever your your timeline is, how are you already becoming that person that inevitably reaches that goal, even if it takes a little bit longer? So let me know. I would love to hear from you. Take a screenshot of this uh, podcast, put it on your story. I'd love for you to tag me. I will absolutely repost it. I would love, I love seeing when you guys do that. I love seeing how much value you are getting out of each and every one of these podcasts. And as we come up in the end of the year, I want you to know that you are capable of building the business that you want, whether you reach a goal or not. Every single day you are stepping into that person that makes success inevitable. All right, friends, let's get into today's episode. So today we're talking about the strength of weak ties. I originally heard about this idea of the strength of weak ties from a book. It's called The Defining Decade. Highly recommend if you're in your late 20s to read this. Um, I had some friends read the book when they're in their early 20s and they felt the book is essentially about making the most of your 20s. And a lot of my friends who read it in their early years of their 20s, like 22, 23, 24, they felt by the time they got to the end that they were overwhelmed with the amount of seemingly like long laundry list of to do's and I have to do more and reach out more and network more and talk to more people and do more things and more and more and more. I read it in the last year. I read it, I think, over the summer. So I was 28 and it felt like a, oh, I've done these things. Like, oh, I did that. Oh, I have made the most of my 20s. And in this last, you know, year and a half that I have in my 20s, back when I read it, I was like, I can do some more. I can I can add a little bit more here, sprinkle a little bit more there, a little more, more effort or more intention in one place or another. So definitely caveat to reading the book. I do recommend reading it. It is a little outdated. I think it was published in the 2010s, like early 2010s. And there are some research, you know, that the author uh, refers to that have been disproven or, you know, like updated (laughs) since then in the last decade. But so it's about a decade old, but it definitely like the underlying message is to kind of chip away at effort and chip away at career and love life and all the things that, you know, make humans happy in so that way you can have the best version of your 30s, 40s, 50s, and so on. And so in order to have the best version of your 30s, 40s, 50s, and so on, is you have to start building that foundation in your 20s. So taking the fun job is fun and incredible, but are you building experience and worth in order to have that dream job in your 30s or that dream career in your 30s? Whatever it is, right? So I... I worked as a ski instructor in um, my 20s, and I think it really helped me. So it's not to say, like, don't get a fun job. Don't, you know, goof around and have a good time in your 20s because absolutely have the best time in your 20s. But this book, one of the conversations she, the author spoke about is the strength of weak ties. And up until... 
about two years ago, I don't think I truly had weak ties. And let me define that for you, that weak ties are kind of like the acquaintances of your world. I had friends and then I had strangers, right? There was not really a ton in between, especially when you're coming out of school. I had a very small program in my master's degree. There was only seven of us in my class. And so we were all very good friends. So the the ties were strong. The ties were very strong. And it wasn't until I came out to Washington State and I started working with the Army that I started building the weak ties. And those are just as important as the strong ties. And let me tell you about the research of weak ties. Strong ties bring people together and create very close-knit communities. And that's great. We need those as humans. But weak ties allows for fragmentation, meaning you are able to connect with more people through weak ties. So let's take a networking group, for example. You show up to a networking group and there's 30 people in the room and you stand up at the beginning of that you know, um, meeting and you introduce yourself, who you are, what your business is, what you do for, you know, your service or your product. And you share with that group, that group, you now have a weak tie to them. You know them, you know of them, they know you, there is a connection there, but it's not strong. You wouldn't necessarily go out and grab a beer with them on a Saturday or invite them to your family barbecue. But if you ever saw an opportunity where someone in the group was a, you know, a financial advisor and someone in your friend group at your family barbecue was like, hey, I've been looking for a financial advisor. Do you know anyone? And you're like, wait a second. I just met someone in my networking group who's a financial advisor. Let me connect you with her. Right. And so that's the strength of weak ties. Weak ties allows for more fragmentation, more connection with more people. Weak ties are the ones that you're going to find that more often than not, they're the ones that are going to say your name in a room of an opportunity. And the reason that is, is kind of interesting because they know you. They don't know you well enough to kind of see or get too close to you to where they see either the bad, you know, of us just being human, right? Where we're like, ooh, our best friend. Like, we also see the the not so pretty side of our best friend, right? Still love them anyway. No judgment about them because they have so much good. But also, this strength of weak ties is we present our best foot forward, We present our best version of ourselves to these weak ties, which allows the weak ties to fragment and connect us with more people. And so that's the strength of going to and the science behind networking groups. In networking groups, you are so much more likely to find your ideal client because there's more connections to be made. As compared to your close-knit group of friends, even if they are so incredibly supportive of you, if you're super close with them, you're probably very similar to them. And so their friends are your friends and your friends are their friends. And so it creates a closed community 
Whereas those weak ties, there are people in your networking group that you wouldn't go and get a beer with, that you wouldn't invite to family barbecue, but you would work with them because they would be an ideal client or they know your ideal client or their ideal client is your ideal client, whatever it is, right? So that's the strength of weak ties. And all of that research and the fragmentation, you know, like if you want to learn more about that, it's in the American Journal of Sociology. It's from Mark Granovetter, I believe. And it's the strength of weak ties. And this idea is just to create more of those, not necessarily surface level connections, but weak ties, weak connections, introducing yourself and have a basic understanding of who they are, what they do, and they have a basic understanding of who you are and what you do, what you provide. And you are so much more likely to connect and fragment out and create a, a spider web of community and connection. And that's what weak ties do. That's the whole basis of networking is this idea of the strength of weak ties. So why is that important and how do you make use of that? So a lot of people go into networking groups and I think this is, this is really interesting because we are taught kind of the opposite of what I'm about to tell you. <laughs> We are often taught when it comes to networking groups, and I still like underlying message, bring more than you expect to get, right? So you want to create those connections for other people. You want to connect other people. That's how you're bringing value to a group is, you know, you know, you made that connection with that financial advisor to your friend at the barbecue there. You are providing something to the networking group, right? You contributed to that financial advisor's business and whether it works or not, right? You're doing something for them. You are contributing to that networking group. You are putting value into that networking group or that relationship with that financial advisor. But there's actually more science and more research that says that it's the idea of foot in the door theory or, you know, the 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 childhood book of you give a mouse a cookie and it's asking for a favor from someone, they will be significantly more inclined to help you out in the future because people like to be needed. People like and enjoy to feel needed. Now, not demanded from, not forced from, and not overly needed because we don't need needy people in our networking group. We don't need that. But what we do need is to feel like we helped someone out. When someone feels like they helped you out in a very small way, they feel good about themselves. They're like, I made that connection. I helped that person land that client. I did that thing. I helped them in whatever shape or form. So the foot in the door theory, right, is how can you first make that connection? And that's the strength of the weak ties. But foot in the door is you first ask them for a very small favor. And a lot of the time, I'm sure you've heard, you have to, you know, like do someone a favor to get a favor. This is not a tip for tat. We are not trying to like owe someone or get someone to owe us. There is actually less uh, value in creating a I did something for you, now you owe me, then if you actually ask them for two favors. 
So let me tell you what that looks like. Because that doesn't mean walking up to someone right off the bat and being like, do you know someone who needs a job? Or do you know someone who is hiring? Or do you have a client that I can you know, pitch to, or can I pitch to you and you pay me, right? Like those are big asks, but something simple. One of the things that I always do in order to create this feeling of they are doing something for me is I bring it back to whatever conversation that we had when we first made this connection. So for example, I made one connection at a wedding and it was a kombucha um, distillery, kombucha factory maker warehouse person (laughs) he made kombucha and um so we were talking and he was we were talking about mental performance coaching and we were talking about just like you know the idea of psychology and sales and marketing and how much it affects the human brain and how we think about things and what can affect sales and marketing and our product itself, right? And so he mentioned a few podcasts and I made note of it. And I wrote a few down. And then when I wanted to reach back out for the connection of like, potentially, could he be a client in the future? Maybe. But also, I just wanted to maintain and nurture this connection that I made at a seemingly one-off event, a, a friend's wedding. And so I emailed him and instead of asking him for, hey, do you are you interested in mental performance coaching? Hey, are you interested in, you know, joining my program or asking him for something bigger? I asked him for a small favor. I got my foot in the door. I sent him an email and I asked him to list out some of his favorite podcasts. And that small favor takes him a couple minutes, right? Doesn't take a lot of brain power. Maybe he needs to pull up his phone and look at his podcasts and like write them down for me. But it doesn't take a ton of energy or effort to fulfill that favor for me. And what that does, the psychology behind it is now he feels like he has helped me out. He has done something for me. He's done a favor for me, assisted me in learning more, getting more skilled in my craft, and taking in educating me on something like podcasts, right? Just simply occurring, like letting me know the names of each of these podcasts. So that's the idea of like you get your foot in the door. The podcast is, or name the podcast, name the book, name the, you know, bring back whatever you talked about in that conversation. Can you ask them to recall it again? Or can you ask them for their expertise or education on X, Y, or Z that you talked about in that conversation, in that connection, that first connection piece? Once you have your foot in the door, then that connection can continue to build. You stay in touch with one another. You stay connected. You, anytime that something comes up that you think of them, send it their way. A book, a quote, an idea, a client, say their name in a room where a client is looking for something like that, right? Then you can come back and when there comes a day, if there comes a day where you're wanting more from that relationship, then you can ask for that bigger ask. Get that full, that cookie for the mouse, right? Open the door to them, for them, right? Because they let you in. They helped you out. So they're more likely to do it again. 
and builds those asks over time. So that's the psychology of the strength of weak ties and foot in the door. Okay, that's the psychology essentially behind networking groups. So yes, always contribute. Be that person in a networking group that is going to say other members' names when opportunities come up. Don't expect everyone to always be doing you favors. Also, give those favors. Help people out. And don't necessarily wait for them to ask because not everybody understands or knows or intentionally does this work. But now you know the psychology behind it. So help them out. And it's also nice to receive that help, right? The bond goes both ways. When you help somebody, they feel as though you helped them out. They're more likely to give you and connect you with people that they know. They're more likely to create more of those weak, I'm sorry, that strength of those weak ties and fragment those relationships out. So get out into those networking groups, use that psychology, use this knowledge and research from Mark Vetter, and you're going to get out there and create the strongest weak ties. Go fragment some relationships. Go ask for a cookie. (laughs) Go ask for that foot in the door. Go ask for that little favor from that person that you know that you're going to want to keep in your life and connect with in the future. All right, friends, that is what I have for you. Before we go, I wanted to mention one more thing. In January, the end of January, January 25th through the 28th, I am doing a PNW mini women's retreat. We are headed to Orcas Island and we are going to spend an entire weekend, long weekend, where we're going to be slowly moving doing some yoga, walking on the beach, looking at the ocean over the Puget Sound. We are going to do some wine tasting and some journaling. There is a spa day where we're going to be using the spa that we have on site. And you're just going to have enough time in the new year to slow down, listen to Mother Nature in winter where it goes dormant, where it slows down, where the birds settle down, All the animals start to hibernate, things freeze over, and it rains a lot more here in the PNW. Mother Nature says to slow down at this time of year. So let's make use of that and be intentional with our rest. And that's what we're going to be doing on Orcas Island, January 25th through the 28th. I would love to have you there. All the individual rooms are officially sold out, so we just have shared rooms left. So There are quite a few of those, and I would love to have you join us, and I will see you in the new year. You can head down to the show notes and click the PNW Mini Women's Retreat, and I would love for you to join us on Orcas Island. All right, my friends, I will see you in the next episode.